Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is October the 16th, 2020, and I thank you for joining me. Uh, Boy, oh boy, what a week this was, uh, and the hits just keep on coming. Uh, You know, I don't think a novelist could have written a, a more wacky script than what we've been seeing in this past week. Um, between the, uh, dueling down uh, uh, um, town meetings that were being held between uh, ABC News and uh, Joe Biden and NBC versus the president, um, the confirmation hearings of Amy Comey Bar- Coney Barrett, uh, the disclosures about what was supposedly found on Joe Biden's son's laptop. Um, my gosh, when does it end? This uh, past week has had more twists and turns than the old soap operas my mom used to watch back when I was a kid. Here to talk about as the world turns. My God, as the worm turns is more like it. So I don't even know where to begin, but why don't we start with what we witnessed yesterday at the town hall meetings, and we'll go downhill from there. It was amazing to watch the contrasts between George Stephanopoulos interviewing Joe Biden, it could have passed for an infomercial. It really could have passed for an infomercial. All the questions were underhanded lobs. He did get to the question about packing the court, and you could almost sort of see where Joe is going with it. That was kind of like a definite maybe or an absolute, uh, the sense you come away with is if, in fact, Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed, if elected, Joe Biden would pack the court. Now, what was remarkable in that statement, and we'll get to that also, but to watch the deferential way that Joe was treated versus what went on with Ms. Guthrie over at at, uh, NBC News, she didn't question the president. She attacked the the president. She made accusations and kept it up. And maybe this was because there was a lot of pressure from the radical left lunatic saying, well, why would you allow Trump to be opposite Joe, so on and so forth? Uh, I'm not sure what's going on, but when you look at her background, um, this woman was uh, an intern for, I I believe it was actually uh, Joe Biden at one point, connected to the Democrat Party. Uh, The fix is in. I mean, this is not fair and balanced. This is not objective. Reporting is supposed to be objective. Reporting is supposed to be, uh, no matter who asks the questions, they should more or less sound the same, be focused the same way. Yes, we all put our little signature on the way we do things. But to go out there full blast, confront the president, why have you not denounced white supremacists? Now, those questions really aren't designed to give the president an opportunity to answer the question. I want you to understand what you heard. This is one of the tactics that's used by trial lawyers in court. They ask a question knowing that the judge will, uh, will uh, 
accept a challenge to the question so the jury never gets to even hear the answer, but that doesn't matter. The goal of the attorney that asked the question, the challenge, is for the jury to hear the question. Understand what you were watching. This was about uh, making sure that everyone heard yet another accusation that President Trump stands with white supremacists, the Wackaloo, the KKK, uh, all these hate groups, because that's been the narrative that they fashioned from day one. And they started doing it through immigration. I have faced the same kind of lunacy. Oh, you want to keep immigrants out of America. You're anti-immigrant. That very phrase, anti-immigrant, is a loaded phrase. This isn't about being anti-immigrant. If we were going to be fair about the way we discuss the immigration debate, and there's certainly more than one side to that debate, it's a very important debate, and it's a debate they're not having this year at all. If you've noticed, there's once again an immigration blackout. I've spoken to producers on conservative programs, and and one of the answers I got was astonishing. Yes, Mr. Cutler, you're right. Immigration is an important issue, but we're focused now on COVID. We're focused now on the elections. And my answer was, wait a minute. Are you really concerned about COVID? This very nice young lady said, yes, I am. I said, what was the first weapon that President Trump brought to bear to protect Americans from COVID-19. Long pause. She said, I'm not sure where you're going with this. I said, you're covering COVID and you're not sure where I'm going with the question? Think about it. The first action President Trump took on January 31st, 2020, was to invoke his authority under Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182F. That's an immigration statute to keep people coming from China out of the United States. And then as the situation deteriorated throughout Europe, especially in Italy, he added more countries to the list, using our borders as they are to be used, our first line of defense. So you're talking about a pandemic that has hammered the world, but somehow border security and immigration law enforcement has nothing to do with it. Are you serious? Ellis Island was a quarantine station. Wasn't it? But we're not going to talk about immigration. Joe Biden wants a massive amnesty, and I wrote about it in my most recent article for Front Page Magazine. Biden's Build Back Better is bunk. And my whole article centered on this idea that if Biden got his way and let in unlimited numbers of foreign workers, legally and illegally, opened up our hospitals to illegal aliens, everyone gets free health care, opened up our universities to illegal aliens, everyone gets a free education. All these promises Biden makes goes out the window. If I promise to serve you dinner tonight, and then you find out that I'm having 40 people over to my house, and I had the foresight to buy one pizza pie, you think you're going to get a meal out of this deal? Immigration will overwhelm the system. You want to protect America, you protect the borders. It's not anti-immigrant, it's pro-enforcement. The people most likely to be killed by illegal aliens are, in fact, the members of the ethnic immigrant communities, not just from Latin America. Let's get rid of that nonsense. I have arrested criminals from all over the world. I've arrested terrorists, including a suspected IRA terrorist. I took a firearm off of him. He was charged criminally in federal court as an illegal alien in possession of a firearm. I was the case agent, but I worked the case jointly with the FBI. I arrested an Israeli wanted for murder in Israel. We deported him. 
he was convicted at trial of murder. He murdered a Palestinian prostitute. I got an award from the government of Japan for helping them prosecute one of their citizens who was smuggling cocaine from the United States to Japan. Have we talked about anybody from Latin America here? Anybody with brown skin? No, because our immigration laws are blind about race, religion, ethnicity. It's about aliens who, if they were here, would cause harm, period. And we admit more than a, more than a million lawful immigrants in a normal year. I don't know what the numbers are this year. This is anything but a normal year because of COVID. But understand how the media started this whole thing. So when Donald Trump came out and said, we're going to keep the criminals out, oh, hater, xenophobe, bigot. When he said we're not going to let people into the United States from China, xenophobe, bigot, overreaction. He's trying to panic the people. He's trying to panic the people. He's trying to scare everybody. Okay. Then that piece of work, Woodward, was into, interviewed him and said that the president was downplaying the magnitude of the threat. Oh, my God, he didn't warn us. Wait a minute. First, he was scaring us by protecting us, and then he was lying to us when he didn't want to start the panic. Is anybody paying attention? You can't be in two places simultaneously, and they want Trump to be in five places simultaneously, or he's going to be attacked, and attacked bitterly and with lies. Now, we very rarely hear the full tape. You remember that whole thing in Charlottesville. There's good people on both sides. That's all you heard. And what did they take that to mean? The white supremacists, right? That's not what he said. He said, leaving out the extremists on both sides, leaving out the KKK. And he went and enumerated several of those. He said, other than those individuals, that's another story. But the other people, there's good people on both sides. Yeah, there are. There are people that think the statue should come down. There are people that think they should stay up. There's good people on both sides of the debate, not the radicals, not the lunatics, not the bigots, not the racists. He was right. But you don't hear that. They snip, snip, cut that out, and then you're left with that little piece where Trump says there's there's fine people on both sides. Oh, he supports the white supremacists. So this woman throws that question at him yet again. He kept his cool. I'm proud of him. But he said, there you go again. I've answered the question. No, you haven't. There's always a hitch in your voice. You always hesitate. He said, I've never hesitated. She says, you favor the KKK, so I've hated them since I was five. Yeah, but you still like them. You still won't talk against them. They're still part of your base. He never said that. I've experienced it myself. Let me tell you what happened. I attended a rally in Washington back in 2013 by a black group concerned that our immigration laws weren't being enforced and as a consequence, poor blacks weren't getting opportunities to join the mainstream economic life of America. And they're right for this. And that's why I agreed to speak. I was there. Senator Jeff Sessions was there. A bunch of people were there. Ted Cruz spoke. Steve King spoke. Um, There were all sorts of people who spoke. I was very happy to stand in the park, which was the later scene of riots that was supposedly peaceful. I guess they were peaceful riots, but I was right across from the White House. And what's remarkable is that I went to Fox News that afternoon to do an interview with Stuart Varney, who was filling in, I think, for Neil Cavuto at the time. They sent an air-conditioned limo. I can't tell you how much I appreciated that the air conditioning was on. It was about 105 degrees. The humidity was 90%. I was literally sweating into my socks. I was flying on almost no sleep. 
the day before I was in Arizona with Congressman Tom Tancredo speaking at an event uh, in Arizona, flew into Washington, went to the rally. Uh, I, I was kind of bouncing around like a ping pong ball, trying to keep both eyes open simultaneously between the heat and everything else. I went into the studio, had a couple of minutes. They, they, they tried to fix me up, get rid of the sweat and the whole bit. Uh, it, was, it was a mess. And Stuart Varney asked me a question about comprehensive immigration reform. And he said, I understand you're opposed to it. Why? And I said, well, Stuart, we go into many reasons, national security, public safety, jobs for Americans. But let's focus for a change on a slightly different angle. And this is something I observed up close in a person as an agent. Shortly after the Reagan amnesty passed, which was catastrophic, I'm not a big fan of Ronald Reagan, you know, I, I don't care what party you're with. I don't care if you're with the Hopping Kangaroo Party. I look at individuals and individual issues. That's what we're supposed to be looking at. I may like something a congressman does on five issues, but the sixth one, we're at odds with each other. That's how it works. Uh, one of the best mayors that I think New York ever had was Ed Koch. He was New York. And Ed Koch said, if you agree with me 70% of the time, vote for me. If you agree with me more than 90% of the time, get help. You're crazy. And he was right. So we don't have to agree with each other all the time. We don't have to agree with each other at all. We can still be friends. That's the beauty of the First Amendment. We seem to have lost track of that. But going back to Stuart Varney, I said what happened during the Reagan amnesty was as soon as we legalized those aliens, they themselves were the ones who were calling my office in record numbers. The phones were melting because these aliens who had gotten lawful status and permission to work legally went back to their bosses, went back to their employers and said, Charlie, I'm going to keep working for you, but not off the books and not for $8 an hour. And if you want me to come in on Saturday, I'm willing to do it, but I have to be paid time and a half or whatever the requirement is under the law. You need to take money out for workman's comp. You need to take money out for Social Security because I want to be part of that system. My plan is to live in America permanently. I'm here legally now. You can't screw with me. Please do what's necessary. Here's my card. You tell me what other documents you want to see. Let's get the paperwork filled out. Entirely reasonable, wouldn't you think? Guess what happened? The dirtbag boss said, you're fired. Why did he fire him? Because he could no longer exploit him. And what did he do? He hired the next wave of illegal aliens. So we legalized millions of people. Many of them lost their jobs. They wound up in the unemployment line. And they're now competing for a job with American and lawful immigrant workers in the United States. And because there's no way to shut down the flow of illegal aliens, all this did was to incentivize the next wave of illegal aliens, which is how we get to where we are today. Because we never got the enforcement uh, mechanisms that we needed. We had the law, but no agents to enforce the law, no resources. That's always the little game Washington plays. Let's pass the law. How about hiring enough agents to enforce the laws that are on the books? How about providing money so we have more jail space? How about providing money so we get whatever else we need in order to do the job? Absolutely not. The, 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 the game of charades and mirrors and blue smoke, pass a new law, but make sure we don't provide the resources so the laws don't get enforced, but it looks good. It's a great soundbite, and we have a photo up signing a bill into law that's worthless. I'm going to give you a car to use on the weekend. Oh, the problem is it has no engine. Don't worry about it. Get behind the wheel. We'll roll down the window. We'll take some great pictures, and you can tell everybody we gave you a car for the weekend. But, but I can't take it anywhere. Shh, shh, don't tell anybody. 
they'll be upset. Let them think you're having a good time, okay? That's the game they play. Laws without money is like a car without an engine. It goes nowhere. Very simple. And it's not going to go anywhere because they don't want it to go anywhere. These are immigration failures by design, okay? So obviously I didn't have enough time to put all this out there. You know, you're usually racing the clock. I, I describe a television interview as those times when they attempt to stuff 25 pounds of stuff into a five-pound bag or maybe a three-pound bag, better yet. But the, the takeaway was, without the means of stopping more illegals from entering the United States and without the resources to go after the bad actors who hire illegal aliens because they know they can exploit them, guess what? Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. And I thought I was very clear exhausted, sweaty, messed up as I was. I thought I did a good job. A couple of my friends called me up as I was uh, heading back to New York. I was flying back to New York that night. I'm sitting in the airport getting phone calls. Mike, you were great. Mike, good job. Mike, that's fabulous. Next thing I know, ABC News publishes on their bilingual site, immigration agent opposes comprehensive immigration reform because it would end the exploitation of illegal aliens. Just stop and think about that. I was furious, and a couple of Nimrods did a little YouTube video where they tried to, to pretend to be uh, uh, Stewart and, uh, on The Daily Show. And they said, can you believe this guy? And they showed a snippet of my saying, the result, as a result of comprehensive reform, employers were unable to exploit their employees. Consequently, but from the word consequently on, they cut that out. So all they had was that statement of Mike Cutler saying, because of comprehensive reform, employers can no longer exploit these workers. That was the, the whole piece. I called up the reporter from ABC News, and I said to him, how dare you? He said, well, wait a minute, Mr. Cutler. I'm reporting accurately. I said, how do you figure that? Did you not say that because these aliens were granted lawful status, they could no longer be exploited? I said, yes. And didn't you say that that's why you oppose it? I said, no. I said that the result of that, because the employers knew they couldn't exploit them, is they fired them, and they hired the next wave. Yes, they were fired because they couldn't be exploited, and that's what bothers you. I said, what bothers me is that they're being fired. What bothers me is that we can't stop the new illegals from entering the country to displace them. What bothers me is they will now be looking for jobs and competing with out-of-work American and lawful immigrant workers. He said, yes, all because they can't be exploited, as you very properly pointed out. Try having that conversation. I'm very careful. My degree was in communications, arts, and sciences. I called it my BA and BS. But I'm very careful that I say things in a way where it can't be twisted. Well, here we go. So good as I thought I was, I guess I wasn't, they play this charade, and it was all over the place. Immigration expert, in quotation marks, opposes comprehensive reform because it would end exploitation of the immigrants. You can't make this up. And that was the tactic that was used by Miss Guthrie against the President of the United States with such a contemptuous tone, such a confrontational tone, I will tell you that when I was a kid, I once spoke to a, 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 a busboy in a restaurant, not nearly like that, but I made the mistake of saying, hey, you, my father was ready to slug me for it. 
He said, how do you come off not showing respect to a guy that's doing an honest day's work for an honest day's pay? He said, you will be respectful. He said, by the way, I, I said, but Dad, how well should I have addressed him? He said, well, you know his name. I said, how in the world would I know his name? He said, that, you know, that man that was clearing the tables, you're to clean up the mess. You're going to make shoveling food down your throat. His name is Sir. I was 15 years old, and I thought I had just shrunk to about three inches tall. And I've told my kids about that very important lesson. Obviously, Miss Guthrie's parents never taught her or she wasn't listening. To speak to the President of the United States with that level of animosity and contempt, to be that confrontational, she asked him the question, he answered it, she re-asked it, he answered it, she asked him again, are you serious? He has been saying consistently that he opposes the white supremacist groups, Antifa also on the other side. I, gave, I did a speaking event and some woman said, well, you're out, you're out against people with brown skin. Immigration has nothing to do with skin color. Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, enumerates who we're supposed to keep out. It's aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases, mental illness, aliens who are criminals and terrorists and spies and human rights violators and war criminals and fugitives from justice, human traffickers, drug smugglers, aliens who have become a public charge, or if they work with displaced American workers. That's the list. Nothing about race or religion. But that's what they turned it into, they meaning the globalists, both parties in the media. Meanwhile, Joe Biden was getting softball lobs. Uh, I was on Bobby Gunther's show on uh, WAEB in Pennsylvania this morning. He said he was being spoon-fed the questions uh, by Stephanopoulos, who then took out a little towel and, and, and wiped his chin if he was drooling a little bit, like a little baby. It's so clear that the fix is in. It's so fear, clear that there's desperation, that the the big corporations, that Silicon Valley are desperate for Trump to lose the election. You look at what China has been doing. You look at the laptop. They didn't want to put the story out there. They blocked the the White House um, press secretary's um, Twitter account. Oh, it's not verified. Well, it wasn't verified when we talked about Russian collusion, was it? It wasn't verified about a whole bunch of stuff. But that went out there immediately. No fact-checking, just put it out there. Oh, this is Joe Biden. Well, how do we stall? What do we claim? Here's what I don't understand. You would think that people would be a little bit selfish in the voting booth. I recommend people always be a little selfish in the voting booth. When you go vote, ask yourself, how will the, these candidates and what their plans are affect me? And perhaps more importantly, when you get to my age, my children and my grandchildren. Be selfish. We have a confrontational relationship with China. Let's be clear about it. Joe Biden doesn't want to acknowledge it. Kamala Harris doesn't want to acknowledge it. She attacked Mike Pence for a trade war with China that she claimed we lost. We didn't lose anything. We lost bupkis. Because they want a cozy relationship with China. Why? China permitted the COVID virus to spread around the world. China has been spying on America endlessly. China has been confronting us with their illegal islands in the South China Sea, the artificial islands that they've militarized with our technology that they stole from the United States. There was a time that if, as an American, you stood with the communists, you were in a world of trouble. Joe Biden, the Democrat Party, stands with the communists. There was an article my son gave me. It'll be the source of another story that I plan to do for front page. 
how um, Putin made it clear that it's much easier for him to work with the Democrat Party, that he sees them as kindred spirits. I don't doubt Russia is meddling in our elections. They're trying to make sure that Biden gets elected, as does China, probably Iran. Think of what Donald Trump did to help America and hurt our adversaries. Isn't that what you're supposed to do when you're the president or if you're a member of Congress? And then you look at the attacks on Amy Coney um, Bryant. Now, here's what I don't get. How would she vote on this issue? How They know she's not going to answer the question. So part of why they do that is to grandstand for their quote-unquote base. I'm so sick of that word, the base. But this is outrageous. What you should be concerned with about a judge is her grasp of the law, as they say, judicial temperament, uh, whether or not she's moral, whether she's be subject to blackmail. Uh, by the way, if you want to talk about blackmail, if the allegations about Biden's son are true, wow. That's all I can say. I think that sums it up. Wow. Think about that. Uh, all the money and all the collusion. And if you want to talk about Russian collusion, look at what we're hearing. Now, as an American, I don't always agree with everybody on every issue. I am with a lot of reservations, pro-choice. That may upset some people. That's fine. We're allowed to disagree. Because I know that sometimes young women get themselves jammed up and they wind up in a really bad place. I'm not a woman. I can't even imagine what that's like. Or you have other instances. I don't understand anyone not making their mind up early on, yes or no. And I know that there are people who believe, and scientists who believe, that birth begins, uh, that life begins at inception. And I'm not going to split hairs. I, but I, I, you know, I have great reservation about the notion of abortion. Okay, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be rational. Sometimes you wind up in a situation where there's no good alternative. The late-term stuff sickens me. But the point of the matter is, you can't keep hammering away and expecting a judge to give you a concrete answer. This is how I'm going to vote. They're supposed to judge the law and how it goes with the Constitution, how it parallels the Constitution. That's what the Supreme Court justice is supposed to do, not policy, showing these sympathetic pictures. Oh, look at these poor, sick people. That has nothing to do with the law. You should never make policy over exceptional cases. Policy should be for the, for the, in the best interest of the greatest number of Americans and what's moral and consistent with our Constitution, with our laws. So you look at the lunacy, you, you look at this piece of work from Hawaii, Hirona, someone called it the Hirona virus, my God, asking this woman with an impeccable record, look at what even the liberal side had to say about her. They all love this woman. She's there with her seven children, seven children. She's there with her husband. She's there with the siblings. Her parents are watching on television. And the piece of work from Hawaii, maybe maybe she's been sniffing volcanic dust for too long or something else, asked her if basically she was a sex criminal. Just stop and think of the enormity of that. And I have to tell you, I'm pretty cool in a debate, but I would have been really sorely tempted to say, what pre, what's, where's your predication for that question? It was really a how dare you moment. These power-hungry pieces of garbage will stoop wherever they have to stoop to get whatever they have to get. And then I really enjoyed, if you saw it, 
Wolf Blitzer getting hammered by Nancy Pelosi because he said to her, why aren't you cutting a deal with the president? He said, I see people who are homeless, people who can't eat, people who are in deep trouble. And she lectured him and said, you don't know what kind of intelligence it takes to do the work I do. Yeah, I got a puppy that could do a better job, Nancy. I think she's suffering brain freeze. Maybe she left her head in that damn freezer as with all of her designer ice cream. Or maybe they cut more than her hair when she went to the beauty parlor on her bad hair day. But boy, did she lace into Wolf. And Wolf looked dumbfounded. Normally, these guys are having a love fest. But she's panicking. And I think she's panicking because she knows that even if, God forbid, the Democrats retain the House, she's probably not going to be Speaker of the House. She'll be a has-been, a used-to-be. <clears throat> she can't deal with that. I mean, if she really wants to understand that, look in the mirror, Nancy. You aren't getting any younger. The clock is ticking, and I hear that clock ticking also. And these days, my concern is, what's the legacy? How am I leaving this world and my, my, my country to the next generation and those to follow, to my children, my grandchildren? What will they think of me? How will they see the actions that I took? She doesn't care, obviously. She is grammatically challenged. She's only able to conjugate verbs in the first person singular. Me, myself, and I are the three most important people in, in the Pelosi universe. They're willing to sell America out to our adversaries, including China, Iran, Russia. They don't care. Just as so she can hold on to power another year, maybe two years. Oh, my God, I'm lodged and in charge. But where are the American people? Look through this. Look through this. Ask yourself, are we safe if Iran gets nuclear weapons? Who gave Iran billions of dollars in cash? Who gave Iran a deal that was guaranteeing them that they would be on the path to nuclear weapons? It certainly wasn't Trump. He interrupted that. It was Trump who moved the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. And then you have people say, oh, he's an anti-Semite. His daughter married an Orthodox Jew, and she converted. He's an anti-Semite? Look at the relationship the United States has with Israel today versus the relationship Israel had with the United States under Obama. Look at the peace deal between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, and there's more to follow. So what's really happening is accusations are being made by pieces like Guthrie. Why won't you denounce white supremacists? He said, I did. Really? Not what I heard in your voice. Is that the way you would talk to anybody? Certainly not. But the level of contempt and hatred for President Donald Trump is unbelievable. It's incalculable. You have to ask yourself why. Ask yourself, would it make sense to give 25 million illegal aliens legal status in the United States when there's no ability to interview them, no ability to do field investigations? I want to remind you, on September 11, 2001, 19 hijackers, 19, count them, 19, killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. 19 terrorists. And here, under Biden, we would have to turn up the speed on the immigration bureaucracy that would make Lucy at the Bonbon factory look like a walk in the park. And they would be able to bring all their children here. They would immediately be enrolled in our schools. The Congressional Budget Office found that it costs 20 to 40 percent more to educate kids who aren't English proficient. So if you have children, you vote for Biden, 
he wins, we will wind up potentially with more than 100 million school-age aliens entering the United States literally overnight. Blows my mind. Is this in your best interest? Is this in the best interest of your children, of your grandchildren, of your nieces, your nephews? I don't think so. You worry about inflation? All those aliens coming in need water and food. They need sewerage and electricity, air conditioning and heat. They need transportation. They need hospitals, free college. They're all going to be working once they get old enough. So really what Biden wants to do is to import a minimum of 100 million authorized workers and without immigration enforcement, an unlimited number of illegal alien workers. Do you think that that is sustainable, to use the word of the left, sustainable? Of course it's not. We've seen where the left has made it clear that suburbia has to go. There's been article after article. How dare those people have houses with land around it? We need to build houses that look more like human warehouses, housing projects that stretch into the sky. This is not an efficient use of land. And it wouldn't be that difficult for them to end private ownership of houses in the suburbs. All they have to do is say you have to make your house conform to the environmental standards. If you can't do it, I'm going to guess they would probably try to pass a law to seize your property. You vote for Biden. This is what you're voting for. This is a package deal. This is the package. This is the package. You don't like Donald Trump? That's great. But do you think Donald Trump would do this to you or your family or your country? No. That's what makes the radical agenda so dangerous and so abhorrent. They want to shut down free speech. They've taught children at our universities that free speech isn't a good thing. They've actually done studies where the majority of kids on some campuses have said that it's acceptable under certain circumstances to use violence to shut down those people you disagree with. Poof, there goes the First Amendment. Why do you think even the elderly wearing Make America Great Again caps are getting punched in the face and knocked down? Because our kids in our schools are being taught that violence is acceptable if you don't like what the other person has to say. So much for this notion of I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. No, I disagree with what you say, and I'm willing to kill you for it. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. And you speak to some people who are supposedly educated and say, oh, Trump is a hate monger. Well, how do they know that? Well, if you listen to Guthrie, maybe five times asking him why he won't, why he won't renounce. Will you renounce? Yes. Really? Are you sure? You didn't do it before. Are you doing it now? He's never been a proponent for extremist groups. His language sometimes doesn't have the precision it should have. And I'm not an, I don't answer for Donald Trump. His use of language makes me cringe. Again, my degree was in communications. I had planned to teach speech on the college level and or do journalism. Journalists and agents are supposed to be very similar careers. In both cases, you're supposed to be a fact finder. Supposed to be. That's the operative word, supposed to be. The one thing I'm very happy about is a two-word phrase that I haven't heard now in maybe two or three weeks. I'd like to believe that I'm part of the reason why the phrase is going away. Do you know what the phrase is? Political correctness. 
I've been hammering away at this, and it's starting to catch on, I think. The misuse of language has nothing to do with political correctness. We're not trying to be polite or compassionate. Do you think the rioters are polite and compassionate? The fire bombers and the people that, that have been shooting at the police and blowing up cars and so forth? No. This is straight out of the pages of George Orwell. It's Orwellian. And almost every time I turn on the TV, now someone's talking about the Orwellian use of language. Thank God people are waking up. Thank God. There's nothing polite about this. There's nothing polite about saying we're going to get rid of the word alien. The word alien isn't a terrible word. It simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States, period. But if you look at what the other side has been doing, they're upset because President Trump wanted an end to the census. Why is the census important? Well, I've spoken about this before. Jimmy Carter, to my knowledge, is the first president of the United States who ever attempted to use immigration to gerrymander congressional seats and votes in the Electoral College. And how did he do it? When the census was being conducted, I lived through this lunacy when he said, can't use the word alien. Anybody who uses it will be disciplined. Illegal alien, can't use it. That was censorship. The term alien, by the way, is uh, provided, the definition for aliens is provided in immigration laws. All of our laws have to have definitions. If you go over to alcohol, tobacco, fires, they have to talk about what a firearm is. We arrested the man for possession of a firearm. Turns out it was a broomstick. No, it, you, you have to articulate what makes something a firearm, what makes something a dangerous drug, what makes a human being an alien. So the immigration laws, Section 101, definition states an alien is any person not a citizen or national of the united states i dare you where's the insult i dare you there is no insult it simply says if you come to america but you're not a citizen you're an alien that's what they're saying okay and every country has comparable language in spanish the word they use in mexico is extranjero which can translate either to alien or stranger Extranjero. How dare you, you racist, bigot, hate-mongering, hate-mongering, whatever. No. So they started with that, and then he said, you will not arrest anybody who's here illegally during the census without getting authorization. Just stop and think about this one. If you encounter an illegal alien, you can't arrest them. You've got to get permission from headquarters. Why? Well, it's pretty obvious. Because the illegal aliens generally at that time especially were living in democrat strongholds and he wanted them counted for the census so if they were counted for the census the number of seats that would go to democrat strongholds would increase that means it would take seats from the conservative the republican strongholds and that would also affect the apportionment of votes in the electoral college it's gerrymandering and if you had to arrest someone, you could only arrest that one person. Don't bring in his, his family or his friend that he was with, even if the guy is here illegally. God help you. One of my buddies arrested an illegal alien who was wanted for murder or something. They wanted to suspend the agent. Because even though he had a criminal warrant and the guy was wanted for murder, murder! Not jaywalking, not spitting on the sidewalk, murder. Oh, my God, you arrested him? Where is your authorization to make that arrest, agent? He was in a state of panic because they were threatening to suspend him or even fire him for daring to arrest an illegal alien. And the peanut head 
President Peanuthead, Jimmy Carter. When he came to Washington, I said, my God, the Beverly Hillbillies have come to the White House. Billy Beer, for those of you old enough to remember him, hanging out with Moammar Gaddafi from Libya. What a collection. And that's when this whole thing of this misuse of language and the use of immigration to gerrymander votes and politicize the whole issue really rose to the top or the bottom, depending on your perspective. And we've been living with the consequences ever since. You had Ronald Reagan give us that first amnesty, which is a disaster, gave us the visa waiver program, which enabled terrorists to enter the United States, gave us the diversity visa that George Herbert Walker Bush signed into law. Both parties have been doing this to us. Understand something. I remember speaking at an event, and um, President Reagan's former chief of staff was there at the event, and one of the generals who was in attendance, an Air Force general, came up to me and said to me, well, Mr. Cutler, it's pretty clear you weren't very happy with Mr. Reagan. Well, this was during the Obama administration. I said, no, I wasn't, but I certainly would be willing to, to see Mr. Reagan resume his position in the Oval Office if we could get rid of the current occupants and he kind of laughed. But he said, well, what else could you say? And I, and I went through this whole litany. I wasn't in front of the room, but I didn't realize that a lot of the people were able to hear what I had to say. But I said, but here's something about President Reagan that I never understood. During the presidential campaign, this guy is attempting to become the president of the United States. And I'll never forget his quote. Government isn't the solution. Government is the problem. I said, so what was he trying to do, become the head of the problem? And I heard all this raucous laughter behind me, and some guy started banging me on my shoulder. And he said, boy, that's really funny. It turned out that it was President Reagan's. Uh, final chief of staff. He said, you know, Mr. Cutler, I'm going to steal that line. It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. He said, but I can tell you, if President Reagan would, be, would have been standing here, he probably would have laughed louder and harder than anybody else. But I had my issues with Reagan. I had my issues with all of these characters. I don't like the way that Donald Trump articulates his ideas. Half the time, his mouth and his Twitter account are his two biggest adversaries. But the policies and his achievements have been second to nobody. You know, I, I wondered how people were conned into giving Madoff, the crook, their life savings. And now we're watching Americans willingly hand over something even more valuable than their life savings. Their very futures and the future, more importantly, of their children and their grandchildren. For the record, I'm a registered Democrat. I'm not being political. I just look at the facts. I look at what the politicians tell me they plan to do. If not for us, then to us. If this radical agenda that we've been hearing from the Democrats is allowed to be put in place, America is done. It's finished. You can't drive a car off the cliff and say, well, I'll take it to the car wash and we'll put a shine on it. If we bring in 100 million immigrant children, it's over. He doesn't have to do anything else if he wants to destroy America. If we increase our population by 100 million overnight, it's over. The schools will collapse. Infrastructure will collapse. The economy will go to hell in a handbasket. We will wind up with more criminals, more terrorists, more people with dangerous diseases, free health care for everybody. You have to go to the hospital. You'll wait online for five days before you get in to see a doctor. And then you're going to find out that all the meds are gone because they've been depleted 
because we have 100 million people looking for free medical care and more because there'll be no border security. The mainstream media doesn't want to talk about immigration. How could you avoid it? How could you possibly avoid it? It's not that I dislike immigrants, that I'm anti-immigrant, but I, as an immigration agent, understand just how significant all of this is. And if you do the math, if you do the math, I was just on Secure, Secure America television with Frank Gaffney. Uh, if you get a chance, check it out online. It's on YouTube. And we raise these issues. This is not sustainable. As it is, there are parts of the country that suffer from droughts routinely, parts of the country that suffer electrical brownouts. Add 100 million people and see what that does. Now, on top of it, they want to end the use of petroleum, and the list goes on. America would become a third-world country, period. And it would happen quickly, the way it did to Venezuela. In fact, it was interesting, President Trump was talking about Venezuela today. Venezuela at one time was the wealthiest country in all of Latin America, number one. Number one, it is now at the very bottom. It is now the poorest in Latin America, and it only took a few years. It took communism to do that. And people say, well, I don't like Donald Trump. I don't like how he leans on the podium. Well, that's a really great reason not to vote for him. Look at what his plans are. You know, when I look at Joe Biden, I, I, I think of that Twilight Zone episode. I don't know if you folks ever saw it. They run reruns on TV all the time. I used to watch Friday Friday night. It was my, my everyone's favorite night here in Brooklyn. We went home and turned on the Twilight Zone Friday night. I think it was on at 730, if I'm not mistaken. And then um, um, we would talk about it on Monday in school. There was a Twilight Zone episode where a flying saucer lands and all these very tall extraterrestrials come out and they're wearing robes and they're carrying this book that's in their language. We can't translate it. They're working on translating it. They're working on it. They work. They finally translate it and they're able to translate the cover. And the cover says to serve man and everyone's so excited. Oh, gosh, these are godlike creatures. They're going to help us. They're going to end hunger. They're going to do all these wonderful things, cures for cancer. They're here to serve us. Wow. And at the very end of the movie, they managed to translate part of the rest of the book, and it turns out to be a cookbook. Biden's proposals are a cookbook. That's what they are, folks. It's clear. This isn't something to dispute. You bring in 100 million aliens, immigrants, we're done. There's nothing else he has to do if he wants to destroy the country. Drive a car off the cliff. You want to kill somebody? That's how you kill him. You drive him off a cliff. You don't have to shoot him. You don't have to stab him. You don't have to poison him. You don't have to choke them. Just put him in a car, drive the car off the cliff. They're done. This is a prescription for the end of America as we understand it. This would immediately enable America's adversaries to rise to ascendancy and take over the world. Because the rest of the countries of the world, the rest of the democracies, depend on America for leadership and resources. America is the arsenal of the free world. You destroy America, China is waiting in the wings, salivating. Salivating. And everyone is so naive. I was on a flight years ago going to California to give a speech. 
and there was a very attractive young lady sitting next to me, young enough to be my daughter. She had gone to some graduate school, I, I forgot where, but a very prestigious school, had her degree in international relations, master's degree, working for a major publishing company. And, you know, five-hour trip, you have plenty of time to speak. She was very polite, very courteous, very nice young lady. And boy, oh, boy, was she drinking the Kool-Aid with two straws. And the discussion turned to trade and China. And she said, oh, they're our trade partner. I said, no, they're our adversaries. Oh, my gosh, are you kidding? Look at what China does. They build this risk and that risk, and they're helping us, and we're helping them, and it's symbiotic, and we're all singing Kumbaya. And I said, stop. I said, China at some point is going to want Taiwan back. Why would they want Taiwan back? I said, because. But there's no rational reason. They have what they need. I said, wait a second, young lady. Have you never heard the story about some very successful executive who's married to a lovely wife who's given him wonderful children, and she's a devoted woman, and she's a great housekeeper and a good cook, and they just have this fabulous marriage and everyone is envious of him, and he goes to a Christmas party one year, and he has a couple too many, and the receptionist uh, lets him know that she's available, and he winds up finding out how available she was, and the next thing you know, his wife divorces him, the company fires him, his kids don't talk to him, his life is wrecked because of an indiscretion he committed one time for, you know, whatever amount of time it took way back when. Um, I said... People have egos. That executive who cheated on his wife allowed his ego to rule him. I said, you don't think that the leaders of countries have the biggest egos in the world? You don't think China has egos? And they look at Taiwan as their property, their territory. And every time they look at Taiwan, they feel like a thumb has been jammed in their eye. And the day will come when China will reach out to the president of the United States, whoever it is, and say to that president, we're moving on Taiwan tomorrow. Now, you could make all the speeches you want because we don't care about your words. We do care about your actions. If you attempt to intervene, we will call in the note because we own you. We will nationalize all of your factories, perhaps even arrest all of those Americans who work in the factories, including your executives. And then we'll decide whether to put them on trial or to deport them or what to do with them. But we'll figure that out as we go along. But the point of the matter is we will ruin you if you interfere with us because we're going into Taiwan. And I said they're going to probably want Hong Kong back also back then. Uh, you know, well, well, this just happened with Hong Kong. And I said, so you look at that, that's your role model, right? And so one way or the other, I forget if, if Hong Kong came into the conversation, but I certainly told her that Taiwan is on the menu. And she basically looked at me as though I was a crazy man. Well, if you were watching CNN today, I'm sorry, CNN, I can't imagine that, uh, although we really should watch what the other networks have to say. It's important to know how, you're, uh, how other people think also, and I'm serious about this. But if you're watching Fox today, they were talking about how the president of China addressed the military troops and told them, be prepared for war. And what they're aiming at is Taiwan. And if you look at the allegations, if true, about Biden's son with Taiwan, with, all that, with, with China and all that money, how do you think that makes the people in Taiwan feel tonight? These issues are not inconsequential. They could not possibly be more serious. 
And for all the screaming about hate and bigotry, who's out there screaming about, you know, the whites are the source of the problem, right? White privilege. No, Martin Luther King literally gave his life to end segregation, and the lunatic left wants segregation back. You think about that. The idea of being equal is what the Constitution's about. The idea of equality is the highest aspiration a nation can have, that everyone gets equal, fair treatment. They don't want fair. They don't want equal. The people that are tearing down the statues, the people that are attacking and and going on rampages, they're anarchists. They probably have disturbed childhoods. God only knows what their parents did to them. Uh, You have to wonder. But they aren't coming to you saying, we have a better idea. They're coming to you and saying, we're going to take this country apart. Because. And if they take this country apart, and if they weaken this country, let me tell you, you want to see bigotry, look no further than China, the way they treat people. Look at what goes on in Iran. This is a dangerous game that the politicians on the left are playing. I don't know if they're just so power-hungry they don't understand what they're doing and what the implications are, if they're so short-sighted. You know, I'd love to sit down with some of these people and say, what are you thinking? But I do know that I've had occasions when I've spoken with members of Congress who favored legislation, and in 90 seconds I got them to do a 180. I remember one leader in the Republican Party, it took me 90 seconds to convince him to do a 180 on George W. Bush's guest worker program. I said, how in the world would you be able to do this? If you didn't have Osama bin Laden's fingerprints, this was like two years after 9-11, if you didn't have his fingerprints or DNA on file, what would prevent bin Laden from walking into an immigration office, changing his appearance, getting a haircut, dyeing his hair, shaving his hair, uh, putting in contact lenses to change eye color, putting in lifts in his shoes, getting out of the Freddie Flintstone desert getup and, and, and putting on either an Armani suit or jeans and sweatshirt, and claiming to be Donald Duck. I said, within 48 hours, our government would give him an official identity document that would immediately enable him to get a driver's license, social security card, credit card. He could get a job that even if it didn't have national security implications, might well have critical infrastructure implications. I worry quite a bit about who handles our food at food processing plants, for example. I said, with those documents, Bin Laden and his henchmen could walk into any corporate or government office building. They could walk into your office. Within a week, this leader in the House of Representatives did a 180 on the bill. He was listening to some 26, 27-year-old kids working on Capitol Hill, the staffers, and there's a revolving door. They work for Congressman Schmidlap this year. Six months from now, they're offered a job. If they want, they can go work for some lobbying outfit. All they got to do is I'm using the name Schmidlap because it's just, you know, Smith, Jones, whatever, Congressman X. Get his vote on a critical bill, we'll hire you a double wage. And many of them take the bait. I've often said that if you want free, clean energy, all you need to do in Washington is install generators in those revolving doors. Those doors are spinning so quickly, they would power America with those spinning doors as they go from government to the lobbying outfits. And frequently, all too frequently, this is who the politicians listen to. But this really now has brought America to crossroads. It really has. The admission of 100 million children 
is not sustainable. The implications would ripple throughout the economy, through the environment, jobs, housing, electricity, not sustainable. America literally, ladies and gentlemen, would change overnight. How in the world do we do this? The Democrats are saying that they want to give stimulus money to illegal aliens. They're not supposed to be here. They're not supposed to work. Oh, they need a license so they can go to work. The whole point of immigration laws is to protect the jobs of Americans and lawful immigrants. Why are you making it easy for people who shouldn't be here to take jobs and send their money out of the country? Just stop and think about the lunacy to this. By the way, we use asset forfeiture to punish American citizens when they have ill-gotten money. Martha Stewart, insider trading, boom, she got hit with, with a major fine. Why? That's one of the ways we punish. You do a drug deal, we seize your car, we seize your boat. That was what zero tolerance was about. We, we take everything. The government vacuums it up. Ill-gotten, we're taking it. Okay. Illegal aliens are working illegally. The money they're getting is money they shouldn't be getting. It's ill-gotten. We never seize their money. And now we're going to give them economic incentive money and they shouldn't be here? Is that not insanity? Think about the stupidity of this. Now think about the message this sends. I remember being driven into, I think it was Fox News, and the limo driver told me that he came from Lebanon. And I said, it must be hard to have made papers. You know, I didn't want to let him know who I was, what I was doing. He picked me up at my house. And he said to me, well, I got my green card and then citizenship because you had an idiot in the White House. And I said, oh, who was that? He said, Ronald Reagan. All we had to do was claim that we were farmers and we got residency. Chuck Schumer, by the way, was the architect and Reagan signed it into law. I had a big fight with Chuck back then. He was my alleged congressman back then. He said, could you imagine anything dumber? So he said, I immediately called up all my friends and family back in Lebanon, everyone from my village. I said, come to America. Run into an immigration office. Tell him you worked on a farm. I said, you ever work on a farm? He said, no. What do I know about farms? It didn't matter. And he's my whole village is here. I remember one time we had an informant that was trying to determine if he was on the level with us. He had gotten amnesty also. And I asked him, I said, how did you get amnesty? He said, I worked on a farm. I was sitting at the table. I want you to envision this. It's, it's a bunch of prosecutors and federal agents from DEA and New York City police detectives and ATF. And we're working on this case, and we're trying to decide whether to register this guy as an informant. I said, if you lie to me, it's over. I said, tell me the truth. Did you lie on your application for your, for your amnesty? Absolutely not. I said, so you worked on a farm? He said, absolutely. I said, what kind of a farm did you work on? He said, I worked on a watermelon farm. I asked him how high the ladders were that he used to get to the watermelons. He said the ladders were huge. They were rickety. He was scared to death he was going to die. For those of you not familiar with it, watermelons grow on vines on the ground. But this guy got citizenship or, or a green card. Why? By easily gaming the system. This is the system that Biden and company want to use to give over 100 million aliens lawful status. It violates common sense. It violates the findings of the 9-11 Commission. It's an act of suicide. Please share the information with your friends. Remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. Check out my articles at Front Page Magazine. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay well. See you next week.